Welcome to Paris Good Food and Wine. I'm Paige Donner, the host and producer. This food and wine show is being brought to you directly from Paris, France. Here, we give you a taste of this delicious world with all its colorful and diverse personalities that make up the Paris culinary landscape. So, sit back and relax and enjoy Paris good food and wine. This month, we're celebrating St. Valentine's here in the city of love and light. Valentine's Day, or Saint Valentin, as they say in French, is observed here in France, though not to the degree that it is in the U.S., at least insofar as the commercial marketing aspect of the holiday. Because anyway, Paris is a city filled with such romance that every day feels like Valentine's Day here. So for this February Paris Good Food and Wine show, we're bringing you first-person interviews with two of the city's scions from its culinary top shelf. First up, we hear from Armin Petrosian. If the name Petrosian rings a bell, it's because you're likely familiar with the world's best-known quality caviar. Over the last century, Petrosian has become synonymous with caviar and understandably so. With a global market share unrivaled by any other single brand, Petrosian has maintained the strictest quality control over its caviar throughout the generations. You know, it's, it's a passion. You, you cannot do a, a business like mine without having a passion of the product, a curiosity about food. Armin Petrosian is the son and heir to the founder of his family, Fortune. He discusses with us here the company's history, their philosophy, and gives us some inside tips on sourcing excellent caviar. Next up is our second interview with a family scion, this time with Chef Matthew Pecco. When they make hexagon, when we find the, the place, it was very, very big. And I said, if we make one restaurant, we'll make something kind of bistro or brasserie. And actually, after Lombroisie, I don't want to do that. I want to make something very, uh, in a good way, something high quality. And, and I said, okay, let's try to make two restaurants. This chef is also heir to an iconic family. Namely, his father is the three-star Michelin chef of Ambroisie here in Paris. But that hasn't stopped this young 30-something from boldly and unabashedly earning his own stripes. In the past couple of years, he opened three restaurants in Paris. Hexagon, now a one-Michelin-star restaurant, L'Histoire, now a two-Michelin-star restaurant in one of Paris's most romantic dining experiences. And, most recently, he took on the mantle of Le Divelec, for generations the most famous fish restaurant here in Paris, now completely renovated and reimagined by Chef Pecco. So sit back and get ready to be thoroughly charmed and enchanted by our two Parisian scions of great families from France's culinary world. Thank you for listening to Paris Good Food and Wine. Paris Good Food and Wine is brought to you by parisfoodandwine.net. You can like our Facebook page at Facebook slash Paris Food and Wine. <laughs> oh, there can be, never be too much caviar. So, Mr. Armin Petrosian, your name, your family name Petrosian is synonymous with caviar and with caviar of the highest quality. 
So I'm really not exaggerating when I use the term you are the caviar king of the world. Can you just break down in some numbers the the percentage of the market that you have globally for caviar? Uh, yes, we are representing approximately 15 to 20%, depending on the year, of the global uh, worldwide market for caviar. And according to my research, you're doing your your company is doing about 40 million euros a year in in revenue and about 40% of that is actually attributable directly to caviar and now you've branched out into a lot of different products as well like vodka and things like that. Oh yes, we are uh, after global turnover consolidated that means uh, no inside sales are taken into consideration is 40 million and above uh, and mainly it's caviar but also salmon because uh, salmon is part of our uh, company we have a smokery since 1930 so we are one of the oldest factory uh, in the smoking all the curing of the fish curing of the older eggs from fish. So it's, we, are, we have enlarged a lot over years, a lot of new products, or, uh, products like uh, tea, chocolate, vodka, uh, jams, uh, oil, vinegars, and uh, pastry, and uh, bakery, and a lot of other things. You know, and it's so delightful. We're sitting here as we're doing this interview on the La Tour Maubourg in Paris, and which is at the cross-section of Rue de l'Université, at your iconic uh, restaurant, which is upstairs from your boutique. And walking in downstairs, you know, you pass all those lovely, uh, the, the, the glass cases full of, of caviar and all these wonderful delectables that you've just mentioned, including, I was going to allude to this towards the end, but it's, it's come up now, this new product that you have, which is caviar butter. Why don't you tell us just a little bit about your new product in time for the holidays? Oh, well, this new product is, uh, is an idea um, because uh, we had made several products uh, declining the caviar, like the caviar powder. Uh, we called fleur de caviar. We made uh, caviar cubes. We made uh, fleur de papyrus. And then uh, was missing something to put on the, t the small toast for the, for the cocktails. So I created this caviar butter, having in mind that I, I didn't want to look like other things that are present on the market. I wanted to have an exclusive product with 35% of caviar in it, very pure, without any additive, there is only composition of the butter is, is butter and caviar, nothing else. And we made also a truffle butter just to make the, the small change uh, for the different toast. So and the same, we put a lot of truffles, no aroma, nothing ch chemi chemical there. So really the idea was to create a product that would be without any addition, something very pure in taste. And when you taste it, you can feel it immediately. You know, I had the privilege of, of tasting it a, a month or so ago at your reception, and uh, it's it's really, it's absolutely delicious. It's it's absolutely delicious. I, I have to give my kudos to that. You know, we're going to get into your very colorful family history and how you are a second-generation 
you know, son of an, of an immigrant and who has carried this family business forward. But before we get into that, which is a fascinating story, I wanted you, I wanted to actually to ask you to speak to a bit of how the market has changed from uh, wild esturgeon, wild farming esturgeon to now cultivated esturgeon. And how this is how you have to a large part single handedly, you know, changed the market in that respect. And how this is also good for our fish farming practices and our and the basically the the, the fishery practices around the world. Yeah, it was a complete change that was made, started. In fact, the story started uh, with uh, uh, the breakage of Soviet Union uh, in uh, 1989. But in fact, it was 92 by the time all that happened. And what happened at that time is that the, the one country uh, was uh, Russia, Soviet Union, and the other country of the Caspian Sea was Iran. So there was only two countries directing the, the, the fisheries. Then it was five countries. It was Azerbaijan on top, uh, plus uh, Kazakhstan, plus uh, Turkmenistan, Russia, and Iran. So it was five countries. And that's what created already a complicated uh, story. Then, with the breakage of the Soviet Union, what happened is a very big overfishing, explained by two reasons. One, because it was the attract of the defended fruit, that is translation of French, I don't know, <laughs> l'attrait du fruit défendu, I'm not sure that the translation is good. So uh, when you are, you cannot have some access to something, when it's liberated, you want to have it. So... Uh, uh, I know, the forbidden fruit. Forbidden fruit, sorry. <laughs> so, so you have the, the attract of the forbidden fruit, and uh, that was uh, interesting that a lot of people started to fish the sturgeon for their own pleasure because uh, at the Soviet time it was 30 years of prison if you were caught into uh, uh, taking a sturgeon without uh, the permits. So, and you know, that created an overfishing and an overconsumption. Then the price dropped and the product become less and less good. The quality was worse uh, by the time, not, not good. And because of that, you, you see the quality, the price, and the overfishing. All that elements were present to have a catastrophe in the Caspian Sea. Then in 1997, in the conference of RRA, there was a conference of the uh, CITES, which is the Convention for the Protection of the Plants and Animals in the Worldwide. This convention took, in fact, the decision to protect the sturgeon. And from that time, it was a succession of of uh, of rules and decision and i was part of this decision because i am uh, i am directing a, an uh, ngo that has for um, aim to protect the sturgeon and to help the the trade and the regulation of the sturgeon so i was part of the working group in the cities from from that period in 1998 uh, and little by little the the smuggled caviar has been under control. I'm not saying that 100%, but a big part of it. And there was a, a time where there was, a, in fact, a, a moment where 
you can feel that it was not going the right way. So at that time, I decided to to look uh, and to see what farms were start. Some farms were starting to do the farming of sturgeon, but for the meat, not for the caviar. So I, I started to discuss with them and, uh, to see how it would be interesting to produce the caviar, and in the United States and some in France, and we started to, to do uh, some, some sampling and to see how it is. And we started, and I was one of the, uh, the f in fact, the first one in France to offer the, the French caviar and American caviar on our uh, prices. And from there, then, I, we worked a lot with the farms, different worldwide farms, in order to, to ask them to do the quality we wanted. And that was a, a big, something very interesting to do because we had to apply to the farm caviar the same methods of selection, of aging, of, uh, of uh, what well, I say, sublimation. I don't know if it's very English, but uh, to sublimate the caviar, I think that's better. Uh, to sublimate the caviar. To, in fact, it's to, the idea is, with this, all these techniques that we have, is to, to, take, uh, uh, to, to develop the aromas that are present in the in the caviar, but need timing and supervision in order to to develop, and that's our main business is to take raw material and then from the farms and then to apply our method in order to develop these aromas, and still to get a very complex caviar from this farm. So this was a whole work that took me a, a lot of time because we had to reconstruct the whole history of caviar and the whole uh, spirit of caviar based not on wild, but based on farm. That's fascinating. And the fact that you are, you headed up an, an NGO, a nonprofit organization that was, you know, overseeing the regulation of the fisheries, you know, even shows, demonstrates even more how, you know, how concerned you were about the, the fisheries of the, the global fisheries as an issue and this, the conservation. And I know that now, as you alluded to, you have um, farms in France and in, in America and also, I think, in, in Russia. And Well, the, the farms exist everywhere. So we are buying from all the farms that are existing. So, in fact, there is a whole process to to select the farms, to approve the farms, to they have a guideline to follow. So it's a whole uh, process of uh, agreeing to agree or not to agree the farm to to select and to agree the farm. I don't, I'm not sure about the word, but to approve the farm. Let's say, say. so there is a, a whole process to approve a farm, and there is a, a chart that they have to follow up in order to be selected. And in this chart, everything is taken into consideration. It means in what is important in the farm is the number of fish in the, in the, in the tanks, uh, what is the water, what is the food, how they do their, the first caviar, the raw material, uh, what kind of salt they are using. Uh, so the whole process of raising the fish to the time they are producing the, the raw material caviar, all that is under is controlled. Plus, then we are looking from for the species because don't forget there is several species of sturgeon 
uh, in the world in like uh, wide spaces but in farming there is basically six uh, species that are found today so to see on each of these spaces which were and how they are producing the best one and our aim is to go everywhere in the world and we go to visit whatever farm is constructed we go to visit and we pay them a visit systematically we go to visit all farms and then we select the one that we f we find are following what we want and uh, all this work all this uh, knowledge about how the farming is done where where how temperature fish spaces all that is creating a, a story by itself on caviar. True, and according to my research, I saw that the the numbers for actually raw sturgeon or wild like caviar cultivated from the wild sturgeon or collected from the wild sturgeon has dropped to basically zero percent. There, there really is no. In fact, there is none. Today, there is no caviar from wild. For one good reason, there is no quota. The, and the quota is delivered by the CITES, uh, this convention of Washington Convention, and there is no quota since 2008. So the, the story is very short. There is no caviar from wide. Yeah, which I think that may come as a surprise to a lot of people. So, you know, fascinating. Thank you for listening to Paris Good Food and Wine. I'm your host, Paige Donner. Um, let's turn now to your family history, because as you know, you've pointed out to me in, in our conversations, this is a family business. It remains a family business, and it will continue to be a family business, because uh, you, you now have a couple of sons who are carrying on the line, one who's actually based in New York, if I'm not mistaken. But let, let's start with your uncle and your father, who were actually first generation, they, they were immigrants to France in what? 1915, 1920? Uh, yes. The, my father and uncle uh, started, uh, came uh, to uh, France in uh, the they, in fact, they went out from uh, the Russian Empire at that time because uh, Armenia and Caucasus generally was part of the Russian Empire. They went out from then with the Armenian Holocaust. And they, they came into, into Europe, not directly, because at that time it was not so easy. But and they came in France uh, because they were speaking uh, French, the French language. Because, you know, in Russia, all the bourgeoisie, all the people who had a little education were speaking French. So it was easy for them to come in France, and they knew the culture. They, they had a very strong relation uh, with, the, with France in general. So and they came in France and they established in France. So they were the first generation, uh, and there is a big difference in, in age because uh, my father, in fact, is, uh, was born in uh, 1894. So he was very old already when I came by accident. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the war, after the war, it was the baby boom, and I am part of the baby boom. <laughs> so... And very proud of it. <laughs> so, and uh, then my, uh, I married myself and my sons. Uh, I have two sons, 35 and 37. And they, they started to work with me already a long time ago. Uh, and they are following up today the, the, the spirit and the philosophy of the company. And uh, also, um, 
were in the completely uh, with uh, my ideas of uh, how to direct the business, the innovation, the the running of the quality, uh, uh, the uh, you know the big difference between our company and a lot of others. We are not a financial group that bought an old trademark and made a, a very nice uh, story, uh, rose, as we say in French. So now we are in the true story and what we are saying is exactly true. We, are, we started a very long time ago in 1920. Plus uh, my mother family, and that's another story, my mother family was originating from Baku and uh, had the fishery from 1815 to 1915. So with 200 years of history, our family in the caviar business, what do you think I I should do? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was wondering about that, Mr. Petrosian. Was there ever a question in your mind? Was there ever a question when you were, um, you know, 20, 40 years ago when you were deciding your, your life's path? Did you ever question whether you'd go into the caviar business? Uh, no, I never, uh, I never uh, even when I was 10 years old, I never dreamed to be a policeman or a fireman. So I had always the idea to be with my father in this company. First of all, I, you, I'm born in the house just next to here. So, uh, and I was practically every day uh, in the shop and, you know, it's, it's part of the life um, from my very beginning of age to to now. So it's uh, it's not only you know it's it's a passion. You you cannot do a, a business like mine. We have a passion of the products, a curiosity about the food. Uh, you know anything that can be eaten is interesting for me or drink. So it's a. It's really a, an idea of, um, it's a curiosity. It's like uh, to look after, after a piece, a piece of art, and for me, it's a piece of taste. So it's the same idea. That's fascinating. It's really in your DNA, as we would say, huh? <laughs> yeah. Now, just just um, to recap, you're, you know, you have a global business, Um in, in more in more ways than one, but in terms of your boutiques and your outlets, um, can you just kind of name off some of the places here in Paris where we can find Petrosian caviar and your other you know delectable gourmet items? And then also maybe if you could name just a couple um, of the locations in in the United States and also in other parts of Europe. Yes, um, our main place for ex- the historical building is here in uh, 18 Boulevard Latomobourg in the seventh quarter of Paris. Uh, we opened uh, a few years ago uh, one, another boutique, Boulevard de Courcelles, uh, 106 Boulevard de Courcelles, and it's the 17th quarter of Paris. Uh, we have also a place, uh, uh, a big corner, that is uh, in the um, drugstore Publicis, uh, Champs-Élysées. And uh, we have also uh, in the Lafayette Gourmet, uh, also a place for a, rest- a restaurant and shop uh, there. We have a place in Lyon, we have a place in Brussels. So that's for Europe, the main places. But also we are uh, a lot in the United States with uh, three ma- main places, 7th Avenue and 58th st- uh, Street. We have uh, a restaurant uh, next to it, uh, uh, 9-11, uh, 7th Avenue, we have a shop. 
and cafe. And uh, we have a LA, we are in LA, in North Boston Boulevard, at the corner of Sinega. We have a, a restaurant and a shop. Plus, we are in, uh, in Lex, Lex uh, Airport, uh, the uh, Los Angeles Airport. We are in the Bellagio, uh, Los, uh, Las Vegas. I certainly forgot some places. <laughs> <laughs> That's all, those are already so prestigious. I mean, New York and then Las Vegas, Bellagio, Los Angeles, La Cienega, and North Robertson, Los Angeles International Airport, and then two locations right on 7th Avenue in New York, 7th Avenue and 58th Street. So, And then, of course, those wonderful locations here in Paris, so Publicist Drugstore, this wonderful location on La Tour Maubourg and Rue de l'Université, which is your, your flagship, and um, Gallery Lafayette. Gourmet, Galerie Lafayette Gourmet, and then the, the, the wonderful boutique, yeah, Rue de Corcel, which is, which is, as you said, in the 17th arrondissement, but in fact, it's just a stone's throw from the Arc de Triomphe. Yes, so it's very close. Uh, the 106th Boulevard de Corcel is uh, uh, at the, uh, the corner of Boulevard de Corcel and Rue de Corcel. It's not uh, uh, interesting. We have Rue and Boulevard de Corcel. <laughs> so, and we are very near, near in fact, uh, the Place des Ternes, and very close to the Champs-Élysées and Arc de Triomphe. Yeah, and the, the wonderful thing that I, I remember um, when I visited that location uh, earlier this year is that you can actually, it's a boutique, but you can go there and you can order a coffee and even like some caviar toast. And, and so it's nice. It's a nice blend between a boutique and kind of a relaxed cafe. Absolutely. We, we have there a place you can, you can have a drink, but you can also have a meal. Uh, any time of the day so it's open every day uh, all the time of the day you can have a, a cup of coffee tea uh, pastry whatever you like a sandwich so it's like it's like a place you you come to stay to rest uh, to discuss with uh, your friends so it's a very uh, uh, agreeable place plus you have a very nice terrace so on the boulevard so it's very interesting it is. It's, it's a beautiful, it, well, all your locations are lovely. Mr. Petrosian, I want to thank you so very much for taking the time to speak to us today, to speak to me and to, to be on, on the program, Paris Good Food and Wine. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. listening to Paris Good Food and Wine. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Now up, we'll be hearing an interview I did with Chef Matthew Pecot on a late winter morning before the rush of the lunch crowd arrived at Le Divilec in Paris's upscale 7th arrondissement. As we'll go over in the coming interview, you've had quite a number of accolades, and Divilec, where we're sitting right now, is your newest one. So... Matthew Peco, chef, you're credited with bringing a fresh, new approach to French cuisine. 
yet much of your training was under a three-star Michelin chef. So what is your new take? What's your fresh approach to traditional French cuisine? Okay, so, you know, I was born a three Michelin star. So all my life, I know that. Uh, at L'Ambroisie, something very classic, uh, classic restaurants. And when I opened Hexagon, um, I, 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 um, I see something. In all the restaurants where you go now, in all the three Michelin stars, the people try to make something very simple. So they don't use the, the, the correct term or uh, the correct technique for explaining to the, to the clients. So, and we forget what is the, the traditional French cuisine. So in Hexagon, I opened this restaurant last year. My idea is to put in a very modern way the, the, the classic French cuisine that we learned with Escoffier uh, one century before. So we make something, I don't know in English, but it's, um, it's Deleuzean, you know, the philosophy of Deleuze. You make something, you build and you destroy. And you try to, to rebuild differently. So when you see the, the, the dish in Hexagon, if you don't know the term, so you will learn the term, a traditional French term of the French cuisine. But if you don't know the, the term or the technique, when you, when you hit, it will remember you something. Said, oh, I, I see that somewhere. And, but in the presentation, in the way how to cook, it's totally different. So you, you cannot recognize, but you, you know something. You know, you, you see that before uh, somewhere. Primarily through the taste then. It's like through the taste is how you're uh, in re reinterpreting, not so much through the visuals, but the taste you're reinterpreting French cuisine. Yeah, but before, you know, when we see the, the French cuisine before with Escoffier, it was one century before. So this is a French cuisine. We, we begin to write the French cuisine. Before that, you have some books, but not too much. But Escoffier write all the, the recipe and with exact term. And the way how they cook before, every product was very cooked because you don't have the, the, the cold, uh, you, can, you cannot have some, some, something cold or something fresh. If you want some oyster, you have to take uh, your oyster from Brittany or Normandy and after you take a horse and bring your oyster in Paris. So we said you can eat oyster only in the Breux month, so September, November, December because it's cold to during the, the way because it's a winter season so you can hit your oyster and and all the fish are very cooked and all the the meat were, were very cooked because we want to kill the the, the microbe and uh, it was fun because uh, cuisine have a nice evolution and everybody the the, the departure is escoffier we begin with escoffier and all the chefs after that they try to um, Everybody uses Escoffier until now in all the, the French restaurants to make something. And uh, me, what I want to do is just to use the correct term to, to give a, a, a test simple and not simple with a real structure of the taste and a real uh, presentation, something very modern. Because now, you know, you have the art and the way and... Uh, it's difficult to, to put the two together. Seth, that's really fascinating. It's so great to hear it in your own words. And what kept coming to mind um, was these great artists. I'm not, I know really very little about art history, but of course, being in France, you know, you're surrounded by these uh, great artists. And when you look at that jump from, 
you know, the, uh, in like the second empire, you know, to the new impressionists, how they took apart everything to rebuild it in their own vision. That's what your words are making me think of. Anyway, that's, that, it's really, it's fascinating. Thank you so much. Now, I wanted to talk a little bit too about, I mean, here we are at, at Divilek, your, your new, your newest, uh, and it's a fish restaurant and it's an icon. It's a, it's one of the legends of Paris in terms of restaurants. But I want to talk a little bit about L'Histoire and your two Michelin star restaurant that you got in, you got the two stars in one fell swoop last year. And, um, that restaurant is inside Hexagon. Um, which it, you also got a Michelin star for. Now, I want, I'd love to hear in your own words, um, because people may not grasp right away the concept of that. It's, it's one restaurant inside of another restaurant. Um, by the way, I love hexagon because it refers, of course, to France being, as the French call it, a, a hexagon, the shape of the country. But tell us in your own words, is it the same dining experience going to L'Histoire and hexagon, or are they completely different dining experiences? The price is not the same, <laughs> but it's, it's totally different. Because um, when I make hexagon, when we find the, the place, it was very, very big. And I said, if we make one restaurant, we'll make something, a kind of bistro or brasserie. And actually, after Lombrosi, I don't want to do that. I want to make something very, uh, in a in good way, something high quality. Uh, and I said, okay, let's try to make two restaurants. So it, it, it was a very, uh, very hard bet. I don't know in English because, sorry, but, but it, okay, we, we make a bet. So um, I said, okay, we try to make one three Michelin star and one two Michelin stars. So this is what, where we want to go. And, uh, I don't know when I do that, if Michelin can make two, two restaurants in the two, if you can, if you can separate, separate two, two restaurants inside one. So it was a very big bet. And, uh, so I make two kitchen and, uh, hexagon. It was very simple to do because I know the French cuisine very well because I, I grew up in a French, in a traditional way. And it was very difficult because actually it's totally different. The, the experience in histoire is, uh, for me, the ultimate experience in a three mission, in, in, in a mission star restaurant because you only have six tables. Because what I, I, I look, if you want to make some very, very good quality, it's difficult to make for more than 20 persons. So I, I don't want to have more than six tables. So you, you come inside a restaurant with only six tables. And I want to, 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 for me now, when you go to a gastronomic restaurant, it's boring. You come, it's uh, okay, it's beautiful, you have a gold, everything. Uh, the service is very, uh, Classic and traditional. Yeah, we, we say very white glove, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, it's, it's, a, it's a bit like that. And I want to make histoire like a theater. You come with uh, someone, actually, it's a romantic restaurant. It's better if you are two. And the door, the, the, when you go inside, when, when you pass the door, you, you don't know where you are. You, you, you enter in a totally different world. It, it's a new world. So it's very, it's fun because all the people, when they go in store, you have a, a hidden door, you have to pass the door, and you go, you have a piano on the right, and you have some uh, duck, uh, crazy duck uh, in front of you. After you have this kind of alcove, uh, you don't see the other person. So it's, it's the, the, the first experience is unique. And uh, after you see it, you have a lot of things who are coming before you order something. So... Uh, something about generosity, 
and uh, it's everything. It's about um, histoire. It's uh, about sensation. It's it's an history. So you have the beginning, what happened in the middle, the end. So everything you, you, in histoire. When you go in a restaurant in Paris, it's depending of your taste, but it's always the same. In histoire, we make something very different. So you are not in a restaurant; you are in a theater. So you you live in a story. So this is what 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 I want in histoire, and, and the the level of the cuisine is the highest of what I can do now. For me, it's uh, we are at the top, and we and we can do that because we are only have six tables. But in the way where we cook the the, the fish, uh, the meat, and the, the 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 way that we make the presentation of all the dish, we take a lot of time. The the everything is different. So. Histoire is unique, and you know it's, it's, it's you have toujours you have um, something very cool in France. It's, it's always about the price. People they always find is always too expensive. You can be a billionaire. It's always too expensive. It's it's question of you know this is the, the French people. We are not we are not generous. So it's always expensive. So in Hexagon for me Hexagon is cheap, but it's expensive. And in histoire, histoire is, is more expensive than Hexagon, but nobody said it's expensive. So, and it's, it's expensive actually, but nobody said because the experience that you have, when you when you live, you are just happy and you say, okay, you will keep a memory of a, a dinner or lunch at histoire. And uh, we make two mission stars in three months, and uh, and it's a restaurant. We are always in uh, progression. So we never said okay now it's good we are we are at the top I always want to change to to change a little thing every day you change something and you have something at the end totally different so you can come now come in one year it, it will not be the same restaurant so uh, histoire it's a it's, it's kind of baby you know we open a lot of restaurants uh, every year now I make uh, one or two restaurants every year and. Um, we will open Hexagon in London. Uh, we open Lambroise in Macao. Uh, maybe we, I will make a, a new Divelec. It's easy, but histoire, you cannot open another histoire. It's impossible because it's too difficult. Because I give the best of myself inside. So you look at me. When, when you look histoire, you say, okay, it's the same. It's something uh, you can love it or you can hate it, but you cannot be in the middle. <laughs> Same with me. <laughs> oh, everybody loves you, <laughs> chef. Ah, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I and I'm glad too that you, with with all that fabulous explanation, that it's really a, a theatrical experience. Um, and you also, I, you know, I wanted to just highlight, uh, underscore that there are two separate kitchens actually yes. in that. So, yeah. Okay, so now let's come to Divilek, which your. I, yeah, your, the, your newest baby. And, you know, for, for decades, I mean, for decades, uh, when Chef Divilek was here, it, he was called the, the Bocuse of seafood. So you have taken upon your shoulders, your young shoulders. I don't think you're even 40 yet, right? Or yes, not, um, uh, I, I, look at me, I'm 29, but in the reality, I'm 35. <laughs> <laughs> but the cream is good in front of the face. Thank you for listening to Paris Good Food and Wine. Paris Good Food and Wine is brought to you by parisfoodandwine.net. You can like our Facebook page at 
Facebook slash Paris Food and Wine. So, you know, you've taken on your shoulders quite a lot of responsibilities and successful endeavors. So Divilek is your latest one. And, you know, just for people who have known this restaurant throughout the ages, what can we expect when we come here? Are there um, items on the menu that you kept or have you, you know, in Chef Peco fashion, have you reimagined everything? Well, actually, Divelec was in a French institution of, of fish, and uh, but like all the institution, it, it doesn't it never change. So it's something uh, before we buy the Divelec was something of another um, I don't know in English, but another period. And uh, when we buy the, the, that place, I want to make a fresh restaurant. And when I know Divelec is for sale, I say okay, I buy. So we buy a Divelec with some friends. And uh, we want to make something. Dif- it's always the same, you know. It's always about experience, because when you make a restaurant, you have to think about what is the experience that the, the customer can accept if he come in our place. And in Le Divelec, we want something very, uh, very chic decoration, like Saint Laurent. So we try to find a nice designer. So we take Studio Cao, who work for, for for Pierre Berger. So we say okay, it's perfect. So, because everybody knows Pierre Berger was a husband of Saint Laurent. So, he makes something very uh, fresh uh, for during the day and very, uh, I don't know, the, the night is another atmosphere. So, you have two atmospheres that develop with the same decoration. So, it's very good. And uh, so, we make something very chic. And actually, now it's more bigger than before because we, we just we opened a new place inside the restaurant, so I have 200 uh, square meters more than before. And Divelec is a fish restaurant, so I want to make a fish restaurant, so it, it was good for me, actually. And uh, when you buy something like that, you have a name, so everybody knows the Divelec, and people say, okay, oh, it's closed for so long time, so everybody thinks that Divelec is closed for 10 years, but it's actually it's only 2 years, because we, we make a, all the... I don't know in English, the renovation. And uh, what I want to do, my concept is I want people share. Because, alors, you are, in, you are in France. So in France, French people don't like to share. It's like that because we are a little bit egoist. But this is a, a, a French way. And uh, but me, I want the people to share. And I see the young people, the new generation, they want to share. They want to taste some more uh, taste of food, so you can share what you want. You can share some dish, and you can be egoist and uh, and just keep for yourself. But in the way that we think the restaurants, you can share. And uh, the old person, they, won't, they don't want to share, so it's not a obligation. It's true for 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 all the old people, but uh, it's what I uh, see. And um, because I think now uh, an, uh, an experience in a restaurant is not just the food is not enough. The food is not enough because you have a lot of place. You can eat very well when you go in all those commission stars. You eat very well, but what I see, my generation, for us it's boring because sometimes if you speak in the restaurant, everybody look at you while I speak. Uh, so I don't want that. Me, I want people have uh, the same concept as hexagon. Say. Come, be yourself, smile, love, speak, sing if you want. Come with tennis, uh, a t-shirt, uh, 
and just enjoy him. So we make a, a food like that, something very, very nice, but in the high quality. So for me, Nivelec, the food is the food that you can find in the three Michelin star restaurants, but the atmosphere is an atmosphere of what you can find in the, the funny place. So we want to do that because when you buy uh, an institution, what you have to think, it's, um, it, it was an institution, but how you became an institution? How you can become an institution? I don't. This is the, the, the way that I think, because you you were an institution. Okay, it's good, but it, it's it's over. Okay, everybody uh, forget to have uh, some 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 souvenir of uh, of you, of what they accept. But me, I want the people. Okay, I want to. I want everybody said. Okay, this is a one place in Paris. You have to go. It's the Divelec. So we try to work in, in, in that way for all the restaurants. If you want to eat fish, for me now, you have to come at the Nivelec because we try, actually it's a new restaurant, so it's just open for three months. So you have a lot of change for the first year. So the level is always in progression. So, but progression is good. And, uh, but if you want to eat fish, you have to come to Nivelec. Uh, if you want to eat the French cuisine, you have to come to Hexagon. If you want to have an experience, go to Histoire. If you want to see something from the past, go to Lombroisie. We have, uh, we think other restaurants like that. I don't know if it's very clear because I'm just sorry about my English, but I, you know, I'm French, I don't want to learn English. But. <laughs> you're, you're, for someone who says he doesn't speak English, your English is fabulous and so much better than my French. So, you know, uh, no, number one, thank you so much for you know, f expressing yourself so well. And, um, yeah, it's very, it's absolutely casual chic here. And I think a lot of people, you know, like you're saying, you're talking about your own generation. Um, so the 30 somethings, you know, uh, that, that reaches up to, I'm, you know, up and down by several, de you know, decades, uh, you can go bo both ways for, I think the people that you're really speaking to and inviting, like you said, to have an experience, it's a culinary experience. So, all right. So now we have a little bit more of a handle on what your approach is. Um, I just want to thank you so very much Seth, for, for your time today. Thank you so much and uh, see you in the new place. <laughs>